Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I've got Selena McCloskey in the beach shack. Now, she's a model, but also does a lot of charity work and was runner-up, third runner-up in Miss Universe Australia. So she's ready to have another crack at that as she talks about it and also talks about an incident she was involved in where a couple of guys started following her after she finished work while she was walking home. Interesting story. So now let's sit back and have a listen to my chat with Selena. This week in the Beach Shack, it's a pleasure to have Selena McCloskey, who has got a really good story. She's uh, only young, but uh, has done plenty in her life. Welcome, Selena, to the Beach Shack. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you grew, did you grow up in Newcastle? Yes, I've lived in the same house my whole life. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what, what's that like? I mean, I mean, my I mum still lives in the house I grew up with, and and that's she's been there now well over sixty years. So, it's it's amazing that, and you still enjoy being there. Yeah, I think I'll be at home till I'm 30. I'm 22 now, but um, I have it way too good at home. Mum and Dad help with the cooking and the cleaning as long as I get good uni grades. They're pretty chill. <laughs> now, you are academic. You did some, uh, you got a scholarship through high school? Yeah, so I had an academic scholarship from years 7 to 12 at Macquarie College. So, yes, that definitely put a lot of pressure on on doing well. Yeah, it was very difficult. Well, was there anything else you did? Did you do sport or anything when you were growing up and or you always had your eyes on doing something in the academic side of things? Well, I like to keep myself very busy. So I remember even in junior school, I had something on every day after school, whether that be learning Mandarin, playing the piano. I did um, surf life-saving. And then when it came to high school, I focused on basketball. So I played college basketball in Texas and Kansas in year 11, and that was incredible. Yeah, very, very good. Well, tell us a bit about that experience. It must have been amazing. Yeah, so I got selected by an uh, agency who takes Australians over to America. So it's called AUSA. And so we got the opportunity to play in front of hundreds of co- uh, colleges that came to watch our games. And it was a lot of pressure. So I came back after that was done. And even though I... Um, different colleges reached out to me to give me opportunities to continue playing over there. I feel like Australia is home for me. I love it here. And, um, yeah, it was just too big of an adjustment at such a young age when I want to be near my family. At what age were you when you went over to do that? 
I would have been about 17, 16, 17. So, yeah, very, very young. And would that be the first time you went away from home and travelled that far? Yeah, so that was actually my first time overseas in general, <laughs> first time leaving the nest really. So it was a lot all at once. So what advice would you give other young people that are good, you know, they're getting the opportunity to go overseas and, and have a crack at sport or, or whatever their career is going to be? Any advice? Any mistakes you made that you, that you would do different? I think you never truly know something until you try. So I went over loving basketball, having the passion, but I found out that you have to live and breathe basketball when you go over there when I had other things I also wanted to try out. So I think you never really know until you try something and you just need to immerse yourself in the experience and just enjoy it. You only live once, so may as well take every opportunity. Yeah, 100%. Now... Well, tell us a bit more about it was difficult, was it, when you um, were going through the scholarship and but was it motivating as well? Yeah, so I am very fortunate to have a very supportive family. So I feel blessed in that aspect that I had them to back me up, but it's very brutal over there. So they have a whole different style of play. It's you're on your own, your own individual, and you have to fight for your dream over there. So it was a... A big culture shock, that's for sure, at such a young age. Now, do you still play basketball at all? No, so I decided to give up my dream in uh, when I was in year 12 so I could focus on the HSC, which is a shame. I played socially for a bit, but, yeah, it was just too full on trying to figure out what I want to do, go to uni full time. Uh, yeah, it was too much. So you decided to do the uh, more the uni side of things? Yeah, I actually decided to try and pursue my modelling career instead. So basketball wanted different things than modelling did, so I had to pick one or the other and I thought I'd give modelling a try. So the modelling side of things, did is that something that uh, you thought you were going to do when you were younger or is this something that came along when you are a bit older? I mean, we all have the dream of being the typical model in a magazine, so I always had that dream but I was actually approached on my 16th birthday a lady came up to me uh, when we we're having dinner out and asked me if I would like to do Newcastle Fashion Week which is the uh, the fashion week in my city so gave that a go and fell in love. And then from there did you get a good result from that from the first one? Yeah, so I, from there I kind of created a modelling Instagram for myself and I had a, quite a few people reach out and try to organise some shoots. So, yeah, kind of start, that's the starting point of where I am now. So tell us a bit more then about was it nerve-wracking when you first went to do the first modelling? Did you have sort of a, a practice run before you went to the main event or how did it all sort of pan out? Yeah, I honestly had no idea what I was getting myself into. I did not know how to walk, did not know how to pose in photos. Um, it was kind of trial and error and um, looking at the people who are successful in the industry and seeing what they do and kind of copying that to an extent. Yeah, I, I, I had a little bit of uh, – we did years ago for Whole Proof Undies, we did uh, the Sydney and Melbourne Fashion Week. <laughs> And no walking way. down That's the catwalk awesome. was a bit timid, intimidating in, uh, in in undies, but uh, that was something that we just we just got thrown into uh, many years ago 
sort of early days of Bondi Rescue. But, yeah, so I've Can't had a little bit it. of a catwalk experience. It is quite intimidating. Yeah, for sure. How funny. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't put any – I don't wear cozies or anything now. I just, it's all boardies. Everything's just board shorts these days. Like you don't get on the Classic. beach uh, in the speedos anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need a lot of confidence for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, know, don't worry. There's, there's a few tricks there that uh, – they help you out with to make you look a little bit bigger than what you really are around that area. So yeah, so it's it's, uh, it's good. It's a good little uh, few little tricks there. <laughs> now you went on from there, and you did do Miss, Miss World, World Australia. Australia. You went for Miss World. Did you? How was that competition? Yes. Yeah, so I got to go to the Versace Hotel uh, middle of last year to compete for the Miss World Australia title. So I ended up placing third runner-up, which was pretty exciting considering it was my first pageant. A lot of preparation goes into that, a lot of behind the scenes that you would not expect. It was my first time trialling charity work, especially in, in COVID times. I found that challenging to ask people for money when they already know they're struggling. So Miss World Australia definitely put me outside my comfort zone, but I love I love that kind of thing. And what's it like behind the scenes? Like is everyone friendly and gets along or is it really competitive and people don't talk to each other or it must be, you know, every, everyone wants to win. <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of drama, but overall, Everyone was really lovely. So I still keep in contact with the girls and I, in fact, went to Brisbane the other day and I ran into one of the girls and it was like we'd never left. So, yeah, it does have its harsh sides and competitive sides, but overall most of the girls are lovely. So tell me, like, a lot of young people listen to this podcast and, you know, you always see the image of of girls and uh, you know, whether it's in magazines or Instagram and things like that, and and people look at that like, what would you say to them? Because there's a lot of people that have eating disorders, they get mental health issues, you know, because of whatever reason with their image. And when you go into like a level of modelling, is there do you find there's pressure on how you look yourself? Hundred percent, yes. So. I got told when I was a little bit younger and even a little bit lighter that I needed to lose weight on my hips and thighs. And I think over the years I have learnt a lot about myself and what I'm comfortable in and where I feel most happy. And I think that you just need to learn to become comfortable in your own skin. And I know it's really hard. It's easier to say than it is to do. But once you learn to love yourself and realize that Instagram is not a true reality. Those, those photos are edited and it is not, that's not normal. I think then you can become more comfortable in yourself. And I think that's really important. One of the major things I have learned through pageants as well. And you would see a lot of that too, wouldn't you? Because there's all the makeup and everything else behind the scenes that get done before they, everyone goes out and performs. So which a lot of people don't see what goes on behind the scenes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's There's a whole lot of work that goes into a pageant and it's not as it seemed. It's not so glamour as it glamorised as it is, yeah. 
So do you think you're going to continue and have another crack at Miss World Australia? No, so in fact, I'm actually going to try another one of the big four pageants. I'm going to be competing in Miss Grand Australia this year, which is very exciting. So I actually uh, compete in July. So that's my current goal at the moment and what I've been working towards. You mentioned before the charities. Is that something you've got to do when you do these pageants? You've got to have a, a, a charity perspective as well? Yeah, so for Miss World, there was more of a charity focus. So each pageant kind of represents something different. So Miss World really pushed it, whereas Miss Grant, it is optional. However, I have found more of a passion for this, the charity perspective as well. So raising money for Destiny Rescue and their purpose is to stop human trafficking and sexual exploitation, which is actually something I'm quite passionate about as end of last year, I was actually almost abducted walking to work. I was followed by a car and approached by a set of men who jumped out of the car and tried to get me in. However, I was very lucky that um, a couple came out of the centre and stopped. So you may think that these kind of things don't happen to you and only happen in movies, but I think it is really important to highlight that it does happen and you just need to be aware of your surroundings. And that must have been quite terrifying, though, something like that that happened. As you said, you don't think it's going to happen to you. Yeah, honestly traumatising. I have had counselling, so I am better now, a lot better than I was, but uh, definitely more aware of my surroundings. I definitely don't recommend walking to work looking at your phone, be aware of everything around you. So actually quite a scary reality. And did this happen at night or was it during the daytime? No, it was actually uh, 10 to 11 in the morning. And so, yeah, I reported it to the police and, yeah, and then the police called me an hour later and said they had another site, another person call up about the same vehicle I spoke about. So, yeah. And did they end up catching these people? I didn't hear anything else, which is such a shame. I wish I did hear more. We um, took photos of the house's surroundings to see if they had CCTV and that kind of thing and handed that to the police. But since, pardon me, they didn't touch me or anything, they probably put it as a lower priority. Yes, but they were very, within metres, a couple metres of me. Yeah, geez, it must have been, yeah, really scary. When did you notice that they were following you, though? So their car was parked in front of me. I park alongside the shopping centre outside because I I used to be a bit stingy and instead of paying for parking, I decided to buy lunch. (laughs) So, um, yes, I parked outside (laughs) and the car, when I got outside the car, they followed me slowly and then met me on the same side of the road as me. And then they all opened three doors at the same time and started to walk towards me like, very close to me. So yeah, it's crazy stuff. And and then what happened? You just sort of realised, and they just sort of went away, or yeah. So I, the place I walk is quite quiet to an extent. It's near a park, and it was quiet day early um in the morning. So this part of the shopping centre, not many people come go near because I have to enter through the back doors to get to work and so they probably thought they wouldn't be seen and when this couple came out of the shopping center they fled oh well it's good that yeah they fled they didn't do any uh, harm at all but 
It would still be in the back of your mind, though, surely. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I now have a little thing in my handbag called a screamer. So it pull, when you pull out this little gadget, it makes the loudest noise, like it hurts your ears. So, yeah, to create more awareness of where the issue is because I had nothing to protect myself. I have a keyless car, so it's not like I had my key to help me. I, I didn't have any food or anything, nothing. That's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so... Is that something, so that's obviously you're doing stuff with the charities Yeah. because of that? So all, all the girls have to fundraise for the same cause. I think we're about a bit over 14000 at the moment, which is a solid effort. Um, I have done a hundreds club. I'm also organising to do a paint and sip event, posting about them on my stories, just trying to create recognition. I've, I've taken a video of myself explaining my story just to get it out there so everyone's aware that this can happen because previously I only thought that kind of thing happened in movies. Like I would never thought that happened to me. So where can people find that? Have you got uh, the handles that you can tell people now to go and look at your videos and, and where to go and donate? Yeah, so just on my Instagram, Selena underscore McCloskey, I have in my bio the link to donate and there's also uh, a post I've made on the video on my Instagram as well. Well, that's great. And then I noticed too that going back to your school days, and, and this happens to a lot of people, it happened to me as well, that you're saying you got bullied a fair bit? Yes, it was pretty horrendous. I, I, would, I would go home and cry every day. It was, it was challenging, especially when I had such pressures on me already at school with an academic scholarship that juggling trying to be successful academically while having so many things going on in my head was one of my biggest challenges. So was it in uh, high school that you were getting bullied or was it a younger age? This sounds crazy, but it actually stemmed from year four. So, yes, the same girl, I won't say too much, but she had a lot of influence in the school. So uh, whenever I would try to get her to stop, it would never happen. Yes, so it was very difficult. A lot of things, uh, even a couple of years ago, I got a call up from an unknown caller saying, how do you model? You're not even pretty. How much do you pay your boyfriend to date you? Just horrible things that no one no one deserves. No, definitely no one deserves that at all. And it's something, though, that happens all the time. And, and how did you deal with it, though, back then? Well, a lot of tears were shed, but I'm just very grateful to have my family and my boyfriend. Um, yeah, so... They were the backbone of me still going to school. I used to beg mum to change schools, but the academics of the school I went to was very good and she thought that side was beneficial to maintain uh, going to that school. I also had counselling to help, which is something we need to eliminate the stigma around going to see someone that it makes you a weak person because it does not ultimately, by seeing someone inventing your issues makes you a stronger person and makes you feel more you and not not so crazy. Yeah, and that's great advice because I mean my era was the tough and ready of, you know, you gotta tap in the back and toughen up and you you'd never tell anyone where you were 
you know, doing it tough or you'd hide it all the time and you wouldn't come out with it. Whereas it's great that you're speaking about it because it's going to help a lot of, you know, of your generation uh, to come out and either speak to the fam, your family or go get some sort of counselling, get help and, and speak about it because that's the only way you're going to solve the problem. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's one of the, actually one of the major reasons I started pageants because the great platform that you can create recognition for such important topics. Yeah, so that's one of the major reasons I started. Do you think it had a bit to do though with you were like good looking, you had good things going for you, you you, you, you had the scholarship. Do you think it stems a lot of things that I've seen over the years with myself that a lot of it stems from jealousy and they, the bullying comes from that? Yeah, I think I've been told that a few times. The other girl, so it was kind of a girl as a major the starter of the issues and then she'd have the girls back them up. I think she was a bit insecure because we were both athletic, we were both top of our class, both got a bit of boy attention. So she probably thought of me as a threat. But I think we need to support women. Like I think this is so important. Be proud of other people for their achievements. So what they beat you in something, you might beat them in something else. So I think I've come to realise that as I've matured and separated myself from the situation. But at at that point in time initially, uh, it was very, very difficult time. My mental health was not very, very good, but uh, surrounded myself with some positive people. So I'm grateful to have that. Well, it can can be hard at that age trying to deal with something like that. And a lot of people, as you said, it affects your mental health. And, And some young kids can't get through that and it really affects their life. 100%. And I feel like there is not a lot of people in the media talking about it. Like there are a few, but there's not some well-known person that just speaks about the truth and how to get help and that kind of thing. I know there's some websites that are known, but we need some relatable people to speak out on the topic to like help others and know that they're not alone because at that point in time I did feel alone. And that's what I see too with when I interview people on this podcast. It's uh, everyone has a you know a good time in their life, but everyone goes through a tough time, no matter who you are or what you do in life. And everyone finds that, but no one really speaks about the bad times they have. They only speak about the good times. So people to see them, especially social media these days, yeah. it just looks like everyone's having this fantastic life. And if you're looking at that and your life's not feeling that's not good. It just depresses you even more. Hundred percent. I think social media only shows the good, good side of people's lives, which is one of my New Year's resolutions: is to show the more real, the real side. Show when you're not having a good day. Let people know that it is okay because social media kind of gives you that unrealistic standards that every day has to be a good day. So you're going to keep pushing now with the charities and, and mm. trying, as you've just been talking about, which sounds. Really, really good that you're uh, moving that way and, and try and take it to the another level. Yeah, so I've done quite a bit of charity work stemmed from my pageantry. So I've walked to Sydney and back, well, three times in total. So that is a challenge within itself, 150 kilometres one way. So I think 
being selfless and putting yourself out there while I'm young, may as well do whatever I can to help others because I think that's how we'll become a better better world and better community, being selfless. And then moving forward, you obviously got your education and what's the future hold? Yeah, so I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Business Innovation and Entrepreneurship, majoring in human resources and leadership and management. So, yes, it is a mouthful, but um, (laughs) I'm interested to see where it will take me. I'm pretty open at the moment. I think I'm currently doing placement at Hunter Water in the HR department, and I'm loving that. So I'm really open to anything. Oh, it sounds good. Sounds like you got your uh, head screwed on very well, and uh, you've got a goal. It's it's, it's really really good uh, good to see. You know. Oh, um, thank you. So the the when's the next year? You mentioned when the next world pageant is. Yeah, so Miss Grand is in July. So a lot of preparation will go into that. I do a bit of pageant training trying to do more charity work as I said think about your outfits because you're there for I think it's three or four days so you'll stay with the girls in accommodation um you'll do your own hair your own makeup so you'll be interviewed we'll have um walking practice together so if you want to win an event like this especially since I am the youngest competing at the moment so you can compete until you're 28. I'm currently 22 uh, of the girls that have been chosen so far. I'm the youngest. So that is also a good and a bad thing. Um, yes. So just trying to get a bit of wisdom on my side, educate myself about the world, what's going on, just to prepare myself for the question and answer. So, yes, a lot is going on behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> And how do you select the dresses? Like that's one thing that, well, obviously I'm no good at, but <laughs> just how does that, does that does that come about? Well, as I say, I have a passion for fashion. Fashion <laughs> is one of the things in life that just makes me so happy. Um, so we're actually fortunate enough to be uh, – our dresses are sponsored this round which I haven't had before so I assume we'll have to go on for go in for a try on and that kind of thing but that is for the final day so for all the other days during the finals I will be styling myself so mum and I actually have gone to Sydney a few times to buy some outfits so that's also another way mum and I bond is by shopping Very good. I mean, the only time I dressed up was uh, I did a uh, thing for Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. We did a, a, a bit of a show for down in Melbourne, and they dressed me up, um, yeah, in, in a, a, as a as drag, and oh. it was um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't real good. I, I remember the the lady that was doing my makeup said uh, she looked at me when I was all done and finished. She just looked at me and said, "Yeah, I don't think you're going to be picking up tonight." That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I reckon I was the, the ugliest drag queen that's ever ever been around, I reckon. It was terrible. Well, that's a claim. That is something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that side. So, so I, might need some, uh, I might need some fashion tips from you. <laughs> well, be your own individual. Don't conform to trends. That is my advice. <laughs> <laughs> Very good advice. Very good. 
<laughs> Everyone's getting around in uh, Bondi these days. Everyone's getting around in Crocs. I remember wearing Crocs when they first came out about 20-odd years ago and no one wanted to wear them and now everybody's wearing them. So, yeah, that is, everyone follows what certain people do. That is one trend I won't be getting on top of, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. Yeah, no, it's uh, – yeah, they're not the best-looking things, but uh, very, they are comfortable but not very good-looking. Yeah, or it's almost fashionable because they're not good-looking. I think that's part of the trend. <laughs> it's like Birkenstocks. I think they're, it. they're trendy too. Yes, very very similar. <laughs> yes. All right, Selena, mate, it's great having you in the Beach Shack. Now, I'm going to go and throw five questions at you. Perfect. In my segment – uh, five fun facts. Right. So you can answer them however you want and uh, we'll go from there. What are the best and worst purchases you ever made? Ooh. Well, I actually have a quite relevant one for you. It My best purchase is actually Apple Care on my phone because I accidentally dropped it in the bathroom the other day when taking my clothes to the laundry basket instead of the whole back of my screen smashed. And instead of it being $700 to fix, it was $45. (laughs) Very good. And the worst, I feel like I regret purchasing a lot of cheap items because they always ruin in the end. So I don't have a relevant uh, example for that one, but uh, yes, anything cheap always breaks on me. I don't know if I'm just clumsy or what, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, cats or dogs and why? Uh, if you know me, I'm the biggest dog lover ever. My dog Lola is the love of my life. Sorry, my boyfriend, Brent. <laughs> um, I, I truly believe a dog is human, like a man's best friend, like, Really, she is everything. She's a Legotto, which is an Italian purebred truffle dog. Oh. Not many people have heard of them. No, I haven't. I haven't heard of that at all. Yes. So she's she looks a bit like a Labradoodle. What are you most proud of? That's a tricky one. I'd probably say I'm most proud of finishing school. I think I didn't give up when it was so difficult and I truly wanted to but I ended up finishing HSC, getting a good mark and, yeah, holding my head high through a hard situation. What's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Oh, well, I actually saw a quote on Instagram that has stuck by me this week. It's a bit it's a bit lame, but it says, everybody's sore, everybody's tired, everybody has an excuse, don't be everybody. Very good. What song do you have to sing along with when you hear it? Oh, that would have to be September by Earth, Wind and Fire. Such a bop. You have to <laughs> sing. So good. Tell me you know that song. <laughs> yeah, I do know the song. Well, Selena, it's great having you in the beach shack. I hope uh, the pageant coming up goes very well and I'm, I hope I can sit back and, and look at the winning results and your name comes up. Wonderful. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Now let's go to Beach Banner. 
Okay, this week in the Beach Shack for the first time. He's been working as a lifeguard for a lot of years. As a bucket, how are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Now, just wanted to get go way back to the beginning when you started as a lifeguard and probably why you started and, and how was it when you you came on as a lifeguard? Mate, it was it was different to what it is now, but in a lot of ways still the same, you know. Um, it, you know what it's like. It evolves a lot over the years and it was different before I came along. But, mate, it's uh, – what was it? It's nearly, it's coming on 19 years, I think now. It's getting there. I hit the big 2 <laughs> yeah, soon. It's away. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I, I sort of, um, I grew up around the service. Like you probably remember when we, me and Quiggers were little grommets, you know, with, with Ben's dad, George Quigley running the service. We were sort of pretty exposed to it early on, you know, little grommets, seeing all you guys come over to their place for end of season parties yeah. and stuff like that. So it was sort of always going to be a, bit of a natural path some of the boys did it a bit earlier than me I had a trade and so on it's a funny story to that actually I did try out I, I did start training to go for the beach a lot earlier probably five or ten years before I actually got on and I actually busted my knee on a rescue board one of the old Bennett's and tore all my um cartilage and my ruptured my ACL actually coming down a wave on a on a rescue board while I was just having a paddle and that sort of put put paid to that for a while and um I didn't didn't try again until probably yeah probably six or seven years later I think when I came back from Europe and um was looking looking at the fire brigade and thought oh, I'll get on the beach until they have a have an intake and that was it mm. yeah Ma, I remember those boards that they used to be called Big Bertha the, the Bennett's they used, to, they used to put two they were double blanks they used to put two blanks in them to make them wider yeah, right. They're uh, massive. They're massive. They're heavy. More so because we had to – well, back in those days, we were working our, on our own a fair bit in the mornings and, and, and the afternoons. So we needed the bigger board to bring in four or five people at one time. So that's yeah, that why we always had the, the bigger boards. Well, even when I started back in 2004, I think, like we still had quite a few of them then. I think we were just yeah. bringing the crackers in then. But um, we uh, they were great. Like, they just went so well, especially in a big way could just punch mm. through everything they got so much momentum they were, they were unreal fun yeah they're always good to sit up and just punch through the white water they're so sort of wide and heavy they're, they're easy to balance weren't they oh yeah for sure yeah and like you said you could have half a dozen people on them and still still sort of you know have control so so what do you reckon now if you started then and, and how the lifeguard has sort of changed the jobs changed a little bit since uh 19 years ago I think we had, I don't know, maybe it just feels that way because I was a lot younger then, but it it feels like we had a lot of older guys then. Maybe it was sort of generally the whole service was a little bit older and had done other stuff first before coming to the service, where now we have a lot of young guys coming through, you know, like like the maxis and stuff that have come in at, at a very young age and have been there, yeah, from the start, from the start of their career, you know. I think that's a little bit different, but I don't know. Maybe that's just my perception of it. I don't know. You, you'd be able to put your finger on that better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we're all getting older now. We've replaced the old guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I like watching the young guys go in to do the rescues. You know, like it's not, it's not, it's not so much our job anymore. We're supposed to be the old heads. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right, mate. As uh, thanks for uh, coming to the beach shack. We'll uh, catch up soon. Thanks, mate. That was great.
Now it's time to have a listen to the fans in the mailbag. This week's letter in the mailbag is from George and she is from Perth in Western Australia. Oppo, just uh, starting to get into swimming. Will that help with my fitness as I struggle to swim a lot of laps? Well, Georgia, yes, swimming is great for your fitness and uh, something to persevere with. Just build up, do uh, smaller sets, fun sets, you know, 25 metres, 50 metres, do those first, and then I'll build the kilometres up and then gradually you'll be able to do more laps in the pool, which you'll notice a massive difference with your health in general. Thanks, Georgia, for your letter, and I'll catch you all again next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.